the definition of family continues to evolve into some rather weird places. Today we're going to look at where the world wants to take us and where the origins are, namely from the Bible. Thanks for joining us at Church Public. Let's get started. Well, again, welcome back to Church Public. I am glad that you joined us here today. We are trying to be at the intersection of faith and culture. What is going on in the world around us? And what does our faith say about it? And how do those things merge? If they do, how do we speak into this rather strange culture? There is so much going on that uh, I have a lot of notes on a lot of different topics and rarely get to all of them. But today we're talking about family and the family structure because it's important. The definition of family is important. I actually believe that the family is one of the really building blocks of society. And a good society or a bad society rises or falls on how strong the family is or weak on the other side of that. And more and more, the family structure is is in just a weird, weird place. But today where I want to start is Disneyland. Yay, Disneyland, right? Um, so I, I don't know about you. I think people seem to be very, another very polarized issue, whether you love Disneyland or hate Disneyland. I grew up loving Disneyland. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the good family fun, uh, entertainment, the movies, the theme park. And, um, I know a lot of that has changed over the years and it is a, it is a vastly different place than it was long ago. Um, but this particular story actually isn't necessarily what Disney has done that's weird, which we'll talk about in a moment. But in fact, it's the response of kind of Disney going back to some of its roots. Recently, what Disney did was revamp the Snow White ride, the Snow White experience. And they added in the scene where Prince Charming is kissing Snow White and waking her because that's what happens in the story, in the movie. That's how she uh, is removed from the curse. And, and it's the true love's kiss, right? And maybe you've heard of true love's kiss. It's kind of a big deal. And yet, um, this has drawn a lot of backlash because you can't tell that part of the story anymore. I, it's, it's rather confusing to me, but I'll just, I'll just read from some detractors and, and we can try to figure this out ourselves, right? So uh, Katie Dowd from the San Francisco Gate Chronicle remarks, quote, it's hard to understand why the Disneyland of 2021 would choose to add a scene with the old fashioned idea of what a man is allowed to do to a woman, especially given the company's current emphasis on removing problematic scenes from rides like Jungle Cruise and Splash Mountain. Side note, if you didn't know, uh, they've changed uh, Splash Mountain to be, I think, the, um, the Princess and the Frog and Jungle Cruise had some inappropriate scenes depicting natives or something and so people hated that and so the whole jungle cruise was removed which again is sad because jungle cruise is a funny ride if any of you have been on it it's hilarious it's definitely the funniest ride in the theme park um and uh as we've mentioned before you can't be funny anymore laughter comedy out the window it's inappropriate so uh, anyway, those two rides, again, that's the side I was talking about earlier, that Disneyland has kind of jumped off the boat, and uh, they they um, are trying to fit in with all of these new cultural norms. But what they did was add in this scene of, of Snow White and Prince Charming in the, in the new ride, and so apparently because she was in a coma or something based on the curse from the evil 
queen, um, then the prince kissing her with true love's kiss was not giving consent because she was in a coma. So there's this thing that happens where you tell a story, and in fact, this is even a specific genre called a fairy tale, which is not real. And in fact, the movie was animated. Uh, obviously, this story comes from, from beyond Disney, uh, but <laughs> anyway, it's all just so ridiculous. So uh, they're mad that Disney threw back this idea. But I, again, I may have grown up in a bubble. I may have grown up in this place where, um, where I thought, I thought, again, I grew up in church and I, I may have grown in a bubble, I, I get that. But I thought the idea of most girls was to be swept off their feet by Prince Charming and, and have romance and, and love happily ever after. I mean, I, I, I thought that was a, a, a goal, an ideal. I thought that was something that, that people dreamed of, but apparently that it's bad and, and wrong now. Um, and I would say, going to Bible, because we try to go to Bible, that, that is what we hear at the beginning of scripture, right? Um, God created Adam and he created man. Um, and God actually said it wasn't good. And this is really significant. I think this is significant. And, and I don't know if you've heard the story, but I'm, I'm just going to tell a little bit. Again, you can read it, Genesis 1 and 2. Um, and, and just so you know, Genesis 1 and 2, there's some repetition because God is telling the same story in a couple of different ways. Okay. So um, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates all these things and they're all good. And then he gets to man and he creates man and he actually doesn't say that man is good the way he created man because he gives man this this opportunity to work the earth and to care for the earth and to care for the animals and the plants and everything. And then God says, God actually says here, it is not good for man to be alone. He's, God says it's not good for man to be alone. So God made Eve, woman, a helper for man so that they could complement each other and, and work together and, and be together. And then you read Genesis 131, God saw all he had made and it was very good. So man by himself is just not good enough. We need to be together. We're actually created to be together. And I love that. I mean, we talk about like not fairy tales, but real stories about um, humanity and, and how we're supposed to be. We are actually supposed to be created for relationship and not just any relationship, but this is specifically talking about a marriage relationship because God goes on to say, Genesis 2, um, for in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, for man to for man and woman to be fruitful and multiply and to work the land and take care of it and, and to not be alone. And we've seen this as the definite marriage for I mean, the, the history of, of mankind in, in the Judeo-Christian tradition. And now, as we talked about at the beginning, we're seeing this definition of family changing, and we've seen it change so many times that it kind of doesn't even make sense anymore. Like, and we're going to talk about a couple of the specific examples that are in the news right now for definitions of family. Um, because I think, again, this is the culture that we are witnessing, that, that things are changing. Um, and it's important to understand and it's important to relate to. So there was a 71-year-old preacher in England who was saying basically the same thing. He was quoting from the Bible, reading from the Bible, um, and, and reading about that the definition of marriage, as I just showed you in Genesis 1 and 2, is the relationship of a man and a woman. 
for saying this, this is what happened in the UK. I'll show you this. So I don't know if you can see here, if you are just listening on audio, uh, you can go check out the video on YouTube at Church Public at one word and you can see that there is a man he is i believe 71 he's standing on a little stool the officer comes up next to him says get down you're not allowed to preach or say these things anymore and there was a complaint against him apparently um there's not a lot of audio so you can't really hear the audio but they they grab two officers grab his arms pull him down then one starts like forcibly grabbing him, twisting him. They pull his hands behind his back. They're basically wrestling him and wrestling to get handcuffs on him. And then he, um, th there's a little more of the video, but I'm going to cut away. And he is taken to jail and spends the night in jail. Now, again, I've played a couple of things from England and from Canada. Uh, in in the past, but but there is a connection here, even if you are in America, because if you think that this can only happen in England or only happen in Canada, like Pastor Coates, um, and and I believe Grace Life Church is the name of it up there, there the jump from there to here is so short right now with all of the regulations, with all the stipulations, with all the language and the free speech things that are going on. We are not that far away in America from things like this happening, I think, on the regular. And so I want to make it known that if you begin to believe these things that the Bible is talking about, if you believe in God, then you believe in God's word, and then you say the things that are in God's word, and you try to follow Jesus and, and try to follow his example and the example of, of Paul, as Paul lays out, the different ways uh, in the letters in the New Testament and uh, Timothy and Peter. If you begin to do these things, just as this man was doing, the culture is going to react this way to you as well. And you need to know this and you need to, again, we kind of talked about this a couple days ago, you need to pick a side and you need to decide, are you going to side with the world on issues like this or are you going to side with God? And you really do have to pick a side. You can't, you can't, take one piece and say, well, I really like this part of Christianity, but I really do not like this part of Christianity. So I'm just going to throw that one away and choose my own and then add a couple more things to it and get rid of some other things that I don't like. Then you've created something new and it's not following God and it's not Christianity and it's your own invented religion. You do that if you want. But when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and you say, I like that, but I don't like all these things then you're not following the I am that is the way, the truth, and the life. You're making your own way, which in essence, as we talked about in the road to hell, you're just following yourself and that, that road doesn't end very well. Anyway, just a quote from this preacher. He says, quote, I wasn't making any homophobic comments. I was just defining marriage as relationship between a man and woman. I was saying what the Bible says. I was not wanting to hurt anyone or cause offense. Um, he said he has been a pastor for 35 years. So again, he's not condemning people. He's not causing hate on people, but he was saying what the word of God says. And that now is enough to literally land him in jail. And again, if you think this is too far for America to go, I think again, like we are not that far from it. Again, I don't want to be doomsday, but what I want you to consider is 
what direction are you going to go and what are you going to stand on? Are you going to stand on the feels and the good vibes of the culture and what they want you to do, what they want you to think, what they want you to say, how they want you to live, or are you going to live differently? The word holy, which you may have heard in church circles, or you may have heard to refer to as, uh, as God referred to being holy. We as followers are also called to be holy. We are a holy people. When we follow God, we're supposed to be holy. Holy simply means set apart. It's something different. It's something different than the world. It's something different than in us naturally, like our natural state, our fleshly state, our sinful state. It's something different. And Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 1.16. And he quotes Leviticus 11.44. And because, and I just, I say that it's a great verse because it really encompasses basically all of, of biblical belief from almost the garden. I mean, Leviticus is, is very close. There's some laws or some things that happened before that, but Leviticus to uh, Peter and, and on through us, because we are now are the church that Peter, the rock, the church was built on is telling us about, right? And he says, quote, be holy because I God am holy. This is God talking to us saying, you need to be holy if you say you follow me because God saying, I am holy. This is our job to be holy, to be set apart. What does set apart mean? Set apart means being different. So if you are a follower of God and you say you're a follower of God, if you say you want to be like Jesus, you want to call yourself a Christian, Christian, little Christ, a person who looks like Christ. Did you know that Christian, by the way, was a derogatory term? Uh, invented to make fun of people who pretended to be like Christ. Um, I just, I find that fascinating. Anyway, it's appropriate because if you want to be a Christian, you're supposed to look like Christ. What does Christ look like? Christ is set apart. He is wholly different from the world. So if we look like the world, if we act like the world, if we talk like the world, if our families look like the world, we're not doing a very good job being wholly set apart from the world. So as set out in Genesis, as we just read, being fruitful, multiplying, as set out in the rest of the Old and the New Testament, running from sin, trying to be different from the world, trying to eliminate the sin nature in our life through the process of being made holy. That's called sanctification, big word. It's for another more theological discussion. But we're supposed to be avoiding the sin, especially sexual sin laid out by Jesus and, P and Paul and Peter and Timothy and Titus and on and on. Um, yet today's culture says in this weird Rousseauian hedonist human humanism, uh, you can throw a bunch of different philosophical words on it, but that we're supposed to pursue our own ends. We're supposed to live according to our feelings and what we feel is right and what we want to be right and, and all the things that we would like to have in this world rather than live according to a standard that is bigger than ourselves and a standard that allows us to become better than ourselves. And what I would say, and what we'll talk about in a moment is being made in the image of God, as again, Jesus and Paul and others say, we're supposed to be in the image of God. Even in the very beginning in Genesis, God says, let us make man in our image. And then he says, let us make male and female in our image. So men and women are both made in the image of God and they have roles to play and they have a very specific um, function, but also this idea of who they're supposed to be, not just physically, but also spiritually. 
And now we have both culture and government saying that marriage can be redefined in, well, whatever way you want to define it at this point. And that, that is the point that I'm trying to dive into, both with this Snow White example, which may seem trivial and just like a fairy tale, but it goes to this idea that you're supposed to have a man and a woman, you're supposed to be in this loving relationship, and people fight against that because they want the relationships to be something different um, than this biblical relationship. Some people come out as far as to say they literally want to not be anything like a biblical relationship. So we get to this New York Times article that just came out. The Times article was called, quote, when best friends become platonic spouses, end quote. Platonic, by the way, is just a way uh, to say just friends, not romantic. So this article is all about best friends getting married to not have a romantic relationship specifically, right? Does that hurt your brain enough? It gets crazier. So, so the idea here is this couple, both female, both lesbians, do not intend to be in any romantic relationship with each other, though they do share a bed, but not romantically. They do want to be in romantic relationships with other people, but again, not with each other. But they want to be married because being married gets them to a level of, of commitment, of tax purposes. There's all these other things that, that just, again, we're talking about definition of family and it gets rather weird places if we saw the example of biblical family. I know there's other examples in the Bible of biblical of families that did not live up to that standard. That's true, but that's not the case example for what's supposed to be. There are a lot of people throughout history who have done the wrong thing as opposed to what the family is supposed to be. The biblical example is the example that I read you where it's supposed to be one man, one woman, creating a family, multiplying both physically through children and spiritually and uh, economically even in terms of taking care of the garden and growing the garden and working to produce, like literally produce, produce, right? The, uh, these are things, that's the example we're supposed to be. And now we have people getting married just to be together, even though they don't want to be together together, they want to be together separately together again mental gymnastics. I'll give you a couple more examples. There's a thruple, which again, if you haven't heard, a thruple is three people in a relationship. There's a thruple in California, which is these three fathers, and now they've adopted two children. So yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. So, and then there is currently a court case in New York of a parent trying to legally married, legally marry their own child. This is happening. I mean, it, it's not I'm not making these things up. Like these are examples. And again, they're kind of extreme examples, but more and more regularity, we're seeing these types of things uh, and other examples of family that do not meet the biblical standard of what a family is supposed to be. And it, if it sounds like I'm, I'm, you know, trying to hurt people, I'm not. I'm just trying to say there is a standard that we're supposed to live up to in a lot of different things that God gives us. And we don't always live up to that. Yes, I get that, but that doesn't mean we're not supposed to live up to it. And if we're called to a holy life, 
as God said through Leviticus and, and the laws there, and as God said through Peter, then we're supposed to live a holy life. I mean, you, you don't, again, get to pick and choose which things you like. And I know this is a hot topic and people debate this and people say that homosexuality is okay and this thruple relationship is okay and marrying your daughter is okay, but that doesn't seem okay. And according to God, it's not okay. None of these things are okay. And does that mean it's not hard and we have to deal with relationships and we have to deal with people and love people? Yeah, we have to do all those things. Yes. But, but if the family is as important as I think it is, as important as God thinks it is, literally as the foundation for humanity, the, the, the family is literally the foundation for humanity, for society, for community, for education. Like there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in education right now that we're going to talk about at a later episode. But the family is supposed to be the center point of education. The family. I noticed, I did not say sending your kids away to school for 12 years or now as Biden would like 14 years or even 16 years at this point, down to three years old, he just proposed that you should send your kids to school, not preschool, not daycare, school where they're taught at three. And then the government should also provide up to two years of college after high school. So that's where the government wants your kid to learn all of their values and all of their rules for life. I would suggest strongly that's not the best place for them to learn their values, their rules for life, their character. I would suggest very strongly that the family, the biblical family, is the place where you want your kids and where your kids have the best chance of being holy, as we talked about, and following God and learning to be good, productive members of society and on and on and on. There are so many advantages to doing life this way. Um, that's just three examples of this idea of marriage equality that we just talked about that people are fighting for. This, this uh, father marrying a daughter, a thruple in California, two lesbians who are not getting married to each other to be with each other, but to be with other people, but to be together with other people Again, the, uh, the point here is, if you begin to define marriage as something other than a man and a woman, which I know, I know it's not popular, you can hate me for saying that, but I'm not saying that. Like, this is beyond me. There are documents, there are words of God written down for thousands of years that well predate me, and I believe will well outlast me that are saying these things. I'm just repeating them. Again, this pastor who just got arrested is just repeating them. And those are just a couple examples. And biblically, these examples just, they're not, they're not real life in the sense of, as we read in Genesis, a large reason for marriage, not the only reason for marriage, we're gonna talk about more, but a large reason is actually, as God says, go forth and multiply, procreation, uh, creating this family not only for procreation, but because, again, I believe the family is this crucible, this center point for how a society functions and forms, creates values and responsibility. The family then, in ideal sense, would go out into the church of believers, and then the society goes out from there, and that is the ultimate model for society. We obviously don't do that very well. But just from biology and human history, these other examples just aren't real. Um, there, there is no procreation in, in any of these 
in any of those examples that I gave. Um, and even just as an example, the, the, the gymnastic biological hoops that this throuple of guys had to go through to have a child is, it's kind of mind bending. Like they had someone donate an embryo from in vitro fertilization that they had left over. Then they had to find a surrogate to carry the baby. Then they had to go through this lengthy court case to get all three names of the fathers onto the birth certificate, even though none of them were actually the father. So again, you see like this procreation idea twisted and turned in such a way that it doesn't, it legitimately doesn't really make sense anymore because none of those people were the father. And I just feel bad for a child born up in this situation because when they look back and say, well, who is my father? And there's three fathers, but who is my mother? Which is not the surrogate that carried the baby, but you see where I'm going with this. Like it gets very confusing. And does that matter? I mean, I think it does matter. I think it matters because I think it matters who your parents were. And I think it matters where you come from. And, and ultimately, if, if we are children of God, like, yes, that, that is primary. But, but this, this should be obvious that these things are not even biologically real, much less the spiritual component of this, which is a very strong indicator for how a society is doing. How are we morally? How are we spiritually? And we're talking about holiness and we're talking about holiness in the context of the family and the context of the family, I believe, again, is really, really important. So if we are holy, set apart from culture, that's the way, you know, that Paul puts it to Titus, to Timothy, husband of one wife. And that is not the cultural goal right now. It's not the cultural norm right now. And it is, though, the goal of God. It is the goal of the family. The, this old pastor was arrested just for stating this fact. And this is persecution in Europe, but it's not going to stay contained there. And we're seeing this uh, in America and, and in other places as well. And so what you need to know as a follower of Jesus, that this is holiness. This is faithfulness. And if you begin to say these things, if you begin to live this way, then the culture is going to be against you. And you're going to have to know this. And I do believe that you're more and more, you're going to have to pick a side. And this is one of those answers. And I hate doing this because this is kind of how the other side operates, that if you don't say something, you're actually saying something. But this is one of the situations where if you don't say this is what you believe, then it will be inferred by the culture that you believe the other things. And so again, that's not me saying it. It's, it's just the nature of this world. Like if you don't say that you believe in God, that you believe in the Bible, that you want to follow God, that you want to follow the Bible, it's going to be inferred that you don't and that you follow this world. And again, that's not holiness. That's not being set apart from the world. That's looking just like the world. So at some point, you're going to have to stand up and take a stand for this and, and live for Jesus if that's something that you want to do. And it's not going to be easy and this world is not going to like you for it. And I would say ultimately that's okay. And ultimately I think that's better, but it's not necessarily easier. And you're gonna have to walk that walk and you're gonna have to decide what you want to do. I hope that you do. Because this following Jesus, even if the world tells you something different, 
is faithfulness, is holiness, and the world is not for you. Have to remember that. The world is not for you. The world is against you. You may feel like by saying the things the world wants you to say, by doing the things the world wants you to do, that you are a part of the world and that you're living in the world. But let me tell you that the devil is not for you. The world is not for you. The devil is trying to destroy you. Even if you look like the world, he wants you for his own and will chase you for that. And will find that moment of weakness and, and, and pounce on you. But the good news is God is for you. God wants you to prosper. God has a hope for you. God has a future for you. And God wants you to have that and wants you to live and not just survive, but thrive, live a life of abundance in closeness with him. That's what God wants for you. And it may feel like some of these things are constricting. Some of these things are limiting what's possible or limiting what you want to do or how you want to live. But the reality is, and we talked about this the other day, following your desires, following your heart does not lead you to the place that you think it leads you. It does not lead you to freedom. It does not lead you to happiness. It leads you to a much different place. Following God, on the other hand, leads you to a life of peace, of patience, of kindness, of gentleness, <coughs> of self-control, it's a different place and I hope you follow God and I hope you find that place and I hope God blesses you and keeps you and that you keep the faith. Once again, thanks for choosing Church Public. I hope you check us out at iTunes, Spotify, um, Google, you can find a podcast on all of those places. You can find the podcast at YouTube. If you were listening on audio, you can watch the video. It may be more helpful with some of those inline videos. And as well, you just have to search church public as one word and you'll find it there at YouTube. You can check us out on all of the socials 